You're listening to Thunder Quack Podcast Network. So you think you've got what it takes to join the Alliance. Can you say the same thing when you're pitted against the Emperor's legions of stormtroopers, led by his Sith Enforcer Darth Vader? Mind you, this is the Empire that wiped out the Jedi Order and took over the Republic in a near-perfect coup. The course you will take is a dangerous one, and we are vastly outnumbered. We need beings of courage, intelligence, and strength of will. Commanders Michael Cohen and Matthew Frankie are waiting to debrief you. As veterans of the Clone Wars, they are some of the best. They even survived the Jedi Purge. You are fighting for freedom and hope now. So go on, get moving. Oh, and Rookie. Welcome to the Rebellion. Hello and welcome back to the Rebels podcast. This is our, what is this, our fourth episode for season two of uh, Lego Star Wars, the Freemaker uh, Freemaker Adventures for the episodes Flight of the Arrowhead and A Perilous Rescue. I am one of your hosts, Michael Cohen, and with me as always, uh, my faithful co-pilot, Matt the Crankster Cranky. Hey, what's up, Mike and Star Wars fans? Good to be back talking some Freemakers and news as we often like to do yeah. here in the rebels podcast talk about all news not just news as far as rebels and stuff like that and a uh, couple of uh, good stuff good things coming out mike um let's just jump right into it um the first thing we wanted to talk about real quick is um there's talks and and i have to we have to as of this recording mike um and it has not been officially announced by Lucasfilm or Star Wars or, or Disney that I know, but there's been a lot of talk about this Obi-Wan Kenobi standalone movie, which yes. the Hollywood Reporter has kind of taken the ball and rolling with it. And they even they even uh, mentioned Stephen Daldry as a, uh, I believe, the director of the film, so yeah. or in talks to be the director, which I have no idea who this guy is. Looks like he's been nominated for Oscars for a couple things, Billy Elliot and The Hours, which is like, wow, you always get an Oscar winner. That's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But, um, but right now, like I said, right now, I mean, we all kind of knew this was coming. It's still in the early stages. Um, I'm sure it's coming. It hasn't been an official announcement yet, but... We have to mention it. You know, this is uh, this is pretty cool stuff, um, Mike. This is one of your favorite characters. Yeah. Uh, I, I have a couple thoughts of where I think um, we we could go or where I might want to go. But let's start off with you. I mean, like I said, this is your favorite character. What, uh, as far as it is, what do you think, and where where do you think we're going? Well, you know, if they don't do a story set between three and four with you and McGregor mm-hmm. starring, I really think that that is a huge missed opportunity. Um, I think I do definitely think that there's a story to tell in there. Um, I know that star Wars rebels has obviously told some of that story, Mm -hmm. but I think that there's more. I think, I think, 
Like, because Rebels is so close at this point to A New Hope, and that Obi-Wan is so reminiscent of, of the Alec Guinness Obi-Wan, um, you know, there's still, there's a lot from from the point where he, he you know, uh, exiles himself on Tatooine up until up until Star Wars Rebels that, that we can explore. Um, the other thing that's been thrown mm-hmm. around is that it might be an origin story to which... I say no thank you sir. Uh you can take your origin story mm-hmm. and you can save it for a later date. Um I think you know you don't tell a story with, you with Ewan McGregor right now you're really you're really looking the gift horse in the mouth because like there's never going to be a better time to 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 make that film. Um and <clears throat> I just I think with an origin story, you have so many issues to deal with because an origin story not only needs to involve Obi-Wan Kenobi, but it also needs to involve Qui-Gon Jinn. It also needs to involve Yoda, Mace Windu. Uh, you know i mean like some of the other jedi council members not a big deal because that that council can change but i think that people would be a little bit perturbed if if mace and yoda don't aren't even aren't at least like peripherally involved um i just don't think like because because when you say an obi-wan kenobi origin story i don't expect an origin of him like as a baby going to the jedi temple Unless th- this is the only place that that I'll excuse it, okay? Because we skipped over it with the Anakin Skywalker story, but if mm-hmm. they did a series of films, and it doesn't even have to be a trilogy, but if they did a series of films that followed Obi Wan from sort of like like that ten year old age up until he's about fifteen or sixteen when he does um, become a Padawan under Qui-Gon Jinn I mean like in that in that Harry Potter sort of style like do about like six or seven movies starring Obi-Wan that's fine by me but I don't think that they're that bold I don't think that they're going to go that direction Um, I think that you could wait a few more years and then do something like that but but right now is the time to tell a story about Obi-Wan Kenobi on Tatooine in between three and four and find out what he was up to. And, and, um, and you know, like, yes, he's in exile, but Tatooine's a planet full of characters in crisis, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that you've got, you've got Tuscans, you've got, uh, gangsters, you've got smugglers, bounty hunters. Uh, it's a planet in the far outer rim and it's out of the way, which means and it's controlled by the huts, which means, you know, like it's lawless. So what happens when you put a lawful good character in a chaotic evil environment? Um, he may be in exile, but he's still Obi-Wan Kenobi and he's not going to mm-hmm. give up on what he feels is right. I mean, he he says it to Luke in A New Hope. You know, you must do what you feel is right, of course. And how can Obi-Wan Kenobi just sit by and watch good people suffer if he has 
the the ability to to do something about it and more importantly like how do, how can he learn the lesson that there are two elements to that there's the element of i have to help these people and the element of i have to keep luke hidden and and where's the balance in that and i think that um there's obviously a lot of subtext in the relationship between between old Ben Kenobi and uh, and Owen Lars that we didn't mm-hmm. get to see. And both of those actors are very yeah. well known and that's a movie right there. I mean yeah. honestly yeah. I I I would want them to not shy away from it. I would want Luke to be in the film, um, but I would want the majority of the action to take place between Owen Lars and and Obi Wan Kenobi, and and to have it be that dynamic of like, you know, he's trying to protect somebody, but that action is causing these these knock on effects that are drawing the attention of the Empire, possibly uh, drawing the attention of bounty hunters or Jabba or or something like that, and obviously putting luke and and the 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 lars family in danger right mm-hmm. um right and to see why there is that distance between him and and uh and, and owen um and why he has to stay away from luke because i i firmly believe that obi-wan goes there and leaves luke with his family as like you will raise the boy but but with the intention of like I'm going to train him though. Right. Like, mm-hmm. like, yeah, I'll, like I'll, I'll train him to be a Jedi. And then, and then very quickly learning, like, no, I can't, I can't mm-hmm. do this because I, and like, there's, there's the elements of self doubt of like, of, of, I failed Anakin and, and look what became of him and, and that sort of thing. Cause, cause Luke has like this, this kind of, um, urban myth knowledge of obi-wan kenobi of ben kenobi and and i'd like to see where some of that comes from and sort of have that be developed a little bit like if he was just keeping to himself nobody would ever talk to him or talk Mm -hmm. about him i should say but but because he is this character that the second that r2 is or that leia is like help me obi-wan kenobi you're my only hope and then, and then three PO translates. So he claims to be the property of an Obi Wan Kenobi. Um, Luke is like, huh? I don't know an Obi Wan, but there's old Ben Kenobi, right? right? And and like, why would he even know? Like, I don't know my neighbors' names, and and like they, they, I live in a in a strata with however many people. I don't know any of their names, <laughs> and yet like Luke knows the name <laughs> yeah. of this this hermit who lives across the Judlin Waste, right? So there must be a story there. And that's exactly what these are. They're Star Wars stories and and I th- I just I think that that's the direction to go. Um yeah. but I am also really intrigued by the idea of a young young Obi-Wan and us seeing what life in the temple was like. But I really don't think that that's the direction that that Lucasfilm wants to go. They are just They've just pulled the franchise out of the the tailspin that was the prequel era, and that's not a judgment on the quality of the prequel films, but on public perception, right? 
and I think right. that I think that we've just between Star Wars Rebels, The Force Awakens, and Rogue One, we've we've pulled the franchise out of that tailspin, um, which is which is putting it in a good position, um, and I don't think they want to jeopardize that now. I do think they want to capitalize on the one element of the prequels that no one can fault, which is Ewan McGregor's portrayal of Obi-Wan Kenobi. Because if you talk to a lot of people that are like, ah, the prequels suck, you go, well, Ewan McGregor is Obi-Wan. And they go, okay, yeah, but one good character doesn't make up for all of the yada, yada, yada. And it's like, but Ewan McGregor is Obi-Wan Kenobi. And, and for my money, uh, he absolutely does. Because I'm, I'm like, we've talked about the prequels before, but the prequels are fine. I like the prequels, um, especially uh, Attack of the Clones and, and Revenge of the Sith. Um, <clears throat> and as we all know, my, my order goes in, in reverse. It, it, it starts at seven and goes down to one. Um, right. and I don't know where Rogue One falls on that scale, but it's somewhere outside of it because it's not a real Star Wars movie. But uh, I'll just throw that away. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I don't really mean that. But but no, yeah, no. I I like the the prequels all right. Um, I love Obi Wan Kenobi, and uh, and the only thing that really redeems the the lower points of the prequels to me are are twofold. Ewan McGregor's performance as Obi-Wan Kenobi and the Clone Wars, specifically James Arnold Taylor's performance as Obi-Wan Kenobi. And Matt Lanter does a pretty good job of bringing Anakin back from the brink. Um, mm. So, you know, like there's, there is stuff in there. There's stuff in there to explore. There's stuff in there that is worth saving. And I think that, that now is the time for Lucasfilm to prove that point. And I, when I say now, I mean, like, we've got Han Solo in May. We have episode nine the following May. Um, and then after that, we don't know what's next, right? Mm-hmm. But I think that after episode nine is the right time to, to, oh, yeah. to go back a little bit into that prequel era. Um, just a little bit closer to it. And if it's a movie that's solely set on Tatooine, you avoid a lot of the issues of the prequel era, which is um, there's a lot of people who have, a, have an issue with the visual aspect of the prequels and the fact that that it doesn't match up to the original trilogy. Well, on Tatooine, you can go back to the Phantom Menace, and on Tatooine, Phantom Menace, it's the same Tatooine is in A New Hope. And in uh, in Return of the Jedi, in my opinion, um, it's a little bit brighter, it's a little bit clearer, but that's because you know they just had a little bit better of a budget right. the the third time around going to that planet. So, um, yeah, I, I I do think that 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 would be the time. So now is the time to start making that movie. Um, yeah. The thing that I find more interesting than the idea that we're going to go back to Obi-Wan, because I think that as they kind of, well, we were talking about it before we started recording, as they implied on the Star Wars show um, today, which I don't know if everybody else caught the the, the sort of subtext of, of this statement, but um, they said something to the effect of, and it wasn't particularly, it wasn't specifically in reference to Obi-Wan, but it was obviously in reference to Obi-Wan. 
um, it's inevitable, basically, is what they is what they said. You know, like it's gonna happen sooner or later. Um, so that that aspect of them doing an Obi Wan standalone, it's like, yeah, okay, they'll get to it. Don't worry about it. Um, the thing that that I find much more interesting is the the news of Stephen Daldry as the director, because that is a pretty continental shift. Yeah. From the types of directors that they were tapping before, mm-hmm. right? They started with JJ and then Gareth Edwards and uh, uh, Josh Trank and uh, and then Colin Trevorrow and uh, sorry uh, and then Ryan Johnson and Colin Trevorrow and Trank didn't work out so well and then <laughs> no. after that they they hired I uh, I uh, um. Lord and Miller. Lord and Miller, and that didn't work out so well. And right. it seems like Trevorrow's on rocky ground. And it's sort of this thing of like, well, Ryan Johnson worked out. JJ obviously worked out. You don't have to worry about JJ, but he's the thing about JJ and 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 Ryan is that although these guys are very trendy right now or in the last few years, um, they've been working in the industry since they were quite young right Right. gareth edwards i think did an okay job um and gareth like like is a is sort of a a a bootstrap story of you know uh, if anybody knows about the the film monsters um he basically shot that and did the visual effects and editing and sound mix and all that stuff like i'm pretty sure he did most like most if not all of that stuff himself um and and that got him Godzilla, which I think in turn got him Star Wars, uh, and and so that's a that's a director that you know like for all of my issues with Rogue One, um, Gareth is not one of them. I think that he's a great director. I think that that he is really um, talented. I think that I think he's just a little unfamiliar with the studio system, and I think that kind of that kind of influenced his filmmaking a little bit. Um, but, but with these others, Trevorrow, Lord Miller, Josh Trank, especially, um, these guys are all very like, like up and coming. Um, Lord Miller have obviously made a lot of movies at this point and, and done a lot of television, but yeah, they just, I, I, there's a, it's a very specific job making a a star wars movie um and i think it's very similar to marvel and -hmm. what they need um with the with the shift i think i think what they did is they looked at what was working and they looked at what wasn't working and they looked and went like look jj and ryan are working gareth did all right i think that the studio i think kathleen kennedy was very heavily involved with rogue one um, especially in terms of like all those the stuff about the reshoots and whatnot, um, <clears throat> and the change in tone. But um, but when they look at what's not working with with those other directors, I think they looked at it and they went, okay, enough of the flashy young up and coming directors. We're gonna bring in Ron Howard for the Han Solo film, and he's gonna right. get that back yeah. on course, which seems to be the case. Um, and I love how much Ron Howard has been posting and, and um, sharing the 
the process to a certain degree without giving us any sort of spoilers or anything like that. And obviously playing by the, the Lucasfilm playbook of not really talking about Han Solo until after The Last Jedi is done. And then it's <laughs> going to be like a barrage. I think yeah. I think The Last Jedi is going to come out and then January 1st is going to happen and Lucasfilm's going to just be like, here you go. And they're just going to open up the 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 gate and it's yeah, just gonna yeah. pour all over us with all the han solo news because they only have five months to to promote it at that point um but i think when you look at ron howard and then you look at at stephen daldry you're talking about academy award nominated uh, awarded directors mm-hmm. um you're talking about consummate professionals you're talking about um serious sort of um no nonsense directors i uh, that also have a really great sense of humor and i think that right there is like your sweet spot i think they were leaning a little bit too much into the into the trendy young fun mm-hmm. directors and um i think they like they ended up lucking out with both gareth edwards and ryan johnson um, in, in terms that like, yeah, those guys are young and fun, but they're also those there. That's a couple of real like cinemaphile directors. Those are, those are directors, directors. Right. Um, and it's, mm-hmm. it's becoming very obvious with the last Jedi in particular, that like Ryan Johnson is, is, uh, uh, just a, a, a Goliath when it comes to filmmaking. I think the guy is phenomenally talented. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but, you know, like these others, we got to get away from the, the, the flashy choices that look really great in headlines and let's pick somebody that nobody's going to be excited about like Stephen Daldry. <laughs> no offense to Stephen Daldry no, because no. those, those two movies that you mentioned are obviously, you know, like, like, uh, Billy Elliot is, is a, is a film classic. Um, and, uh, like like the guy's no slouch, but he isn't he isn't a a household name director, right? No, not um, at all. No, he doesn't have some recent success that that was you know the the talk of the town, like like Lord Miller or Josh Trank or some of those others, right? So I think I think the approach is no nonsense. I think the approach is like let's just make some good movies. Um, let's recover from from our past mistakes and i like it i like that lucasfilm is is failing fast and learning from its mistakes um and i think that this opportunity with stephen daldry and obi-wan kenobi is a really great place for them to say look at this this is very different Mm -hmm. um because as much as rogue one is different it's not all that different it's really not right it's it's another Star Wars movie. It's dark. It's edgy, um, but it's still it's still very Star Wars because there's a lot of action. There's a lightsaber. There's blasters and X wings. I think a movie about Obi Wan Kenobi exiled on Tatooine uh, and a personal struggle between him and and Owen Lars. That that is a departure for Star Wars films. 
that's getting into the error area of the of the novels and the comics and that sort of thing and i think that that would be really cool i think that like that's what i want to see i want to see something that is through and through a character piece and i'll tell you I would be immensely satisfied if at the end of that film credits roll and we sit back and realize he never ignited his lightsaber once. Hmm. It, it never happened, right? Because that's not who he is at that point, right? He's not a Jedi Knight anymore. Um, he's, he's an exile. And so, you know, you have to give up something when you say that. And I think that that's the way to tell that story. And I think like you have moments of contemplation where he's holding the lightsaber. I would even say like, like if I were making the film, I would absolutely have a shot early in the film of him holding his lightsaber, just contemplating it in silence for a solid minute or two. And then we just sort of see the look on his face and then he opens that chest from a new hope and he mm-hmm. places his lightsaber inside it in between Anakin's lightsaber and Qui-Gon's lightsaber. And then, and he just closes it. And then for the rest of the movie, it's, we just don't see it. So, um, I say all of that to say Lucasfilm, uh, if Steven Daldry's not working out, you've got my number. Uh, you know where I am. I did go to film school. I, I do actually have a pretty good idea of how to make a movie. I, I don't. I can't say that I'm as expert as them. I'm not a young, flashy choice. Um, I, may, I mean, I guess I'm a little young. But but uh, you want to make an Obi-Wan Kenobi movie, and you want it to be the Obi-Wan Kenobi movie that Obi-Wan fans deserve, you don't have to hire me to direct it or even write it. But, you know, like a consultant role. You want to would, be a story consultant. Yeah. 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 Just bring me on. Just bring me on <laughs> just for that. Just for that. I don't like I don't need to get my 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 sticky fingers into into whatever the next animated project is or whatever. I mean, like maybe I'll help a little bit on Freemaker Adventures uh, uh, if they if they'll have me. But uh, I, I I can stay in my lane. I'm very good at it. So um once again, my, the true method of my madness with doing podcasts for nine years comes out. It's really just to try and get a job at Lucasfilm. I, but yeah, I mean, I will uproot my entire family um, in order to. I'm mean, cars yeah. only one, so it's not that big a deal. It's not yeah, like I'm gonna pull her out of school. Yeah. I yeah. I will rent out our house while we're in California or London or wherever you need me to be. To make this movie, I mean, if we gotta go to Tunisia, I go to Tunisia. If you guys yeah, need, might have to go there. That's for sure. Yeah. If we're talking where we're talking, listen, I am, I'm, I'm with you on the time frame. Yeah, uh, I'll di- I, I will, I will somewhat disagree on the story just a little bit. And here's what, here's where I'll go with it. Okay. Like you said, like you said, you McGregor. <clears throat> I'm, we're, all, I think we're all down with that. And I think the time frame that you, we were talking about, that's exactly where I want to go to. Um, just because of the things you said, you mentioned it, I had written it down as well. Like, uh, when Luke was talking to, in Star Wars, to Owen and Beru, you know, he talks about Ben and, and Owen and Beru, they have this look between each other. You know what I mean? Like, yes, they have had dealings with, um, with Obi-Wan and, and throughout the years, you know, maybe come checking on him or whatever. But from that, just from that look, that glance they give each other, we know that they've had contact with Obi-Wan. So you're right, Mike, we could see 
something with Owen coming back and, and Obi-Wan and, and Owen having some dialogue or something like that. And I don't want to get, let's not get tied up on where like, Oh, we've, you know, we, we don't want to do that because we've already been to that era before. Listen, an Obi-Wan movie is going to be a prequel no matter where you put it. Cause we know what happens to Obi-Wan. So it's, don't get tied up on necessarily where it's at because everything's going to be a prequel. We know what happens to Obi-Wan. So why not, just like you said, take that big chunk of time. Look what we saw in Rebels. We saw just one shot of him watching Luke run by and how great of a scene was that. Everybody's like, oh, that was a great scene just because all the feels we got from it, all the nostalgia we got from that. So going back to that period, I think that's that's exactly where we need to go. I've seen kind of a younger Obi-Wan Mike in Clone Wars, and we've seen him in the prequels. So that's why I tend to lean towards something in between three and four. And let's talk about the antagonist for this movie. Um, everybody's, I mean, what, 90% of people that came out of Rogue One go, what was your favorite scene? Oh, the Darth Vader scene. Now, I know that could be tricky. You don't necessarily have to have Darth Vader as the main antagonist, but... There's that line that that Vader gives in Star Wars. The last time we met, I was but the learner. Now I am the master. That doesn't necessarily mean, Mike, that it has to be. He has to be talking about Episode Three, fight. And I know that's that's going to be a tricky thing, and people are going to. Some people will be really high on that. Some people will be really low. I'm a Vader fan, so to see him come back, and I don't, see. Here's the thing: how you do it, that's super tough. Like. You know what did what did Vader say before he got the metal before he got the suit on? He hates Obi Wan, hates him. I hate you. You know what I mean. So the fact that Vader might be going around not only looking for other Jedi to get rid of, but in the back of his mind, you know, still man, I got to get to Obi Wan. I want him so bad. I hate him. So not necessarily have to be the main antagonist, but. Maybe spread him in. I don't know. I'm just looking. See, you know me, Mike. I love myself a good mm -hmm. lightsaber fight. Yeah. And when you said no lightsabers, like, oh, man, he doesn't want him to see lightsabers. Where I could see it definitely a lot of great stuff with, like, you're talking about Obi-Wan and just delving deep into what he's doing there and overseeing Luke. Um, but but you, you know there's going to have to be some type of action, you know, some something big to draw the normal crowd in as far as action and, and stuff like that and, and a main antagonist. So – that's kind of where I was throwing out little ideas and thinking about it on the way home today. Like, where could they go with this? You know, who could they make be the villain if they want to do some kind of villain in this? You know what I mean? So maybe you, maybe you could bring in bounty hunters or something like that, looking for looking for him. Who knows? But that's kind of where I'm looking at. What would you be? What would you see as someone for him to go against? The villain antagonist. So that's kind of where I'm looking at it. But everything else you said, I'm, I'm totally on board with you, McGregor, and, and the time frame. Love it. I love it. I hope they do that. So, See, know, I, any, any final thoughts on that? Well, when you say antagonist, in my version of that story, the antagonist is Owen, right? Like, that's the oh, – okay. that's, that's, yeah, that's his antagonist for that film. But I am talking about a movie that is much more a character-driven film. Now, I'm, like obviously, there's going to be some some action sequences, right? I I mean, I think <clears throat> there has to be some recklessness on Obi Wan's part in order for Owen and Baru to have the reaction that they have. So mm -hmm. something obviously happened. Something went down. I think the the Kenobi novel 
sort of got it right in the sense that it's it's a bit of a like you do a bit of a western where it's a little bit of of like uh um defending the town sort of thing um Mm. from outlaws i i think that that's that that's a really great place to do it and i think that where you clash there so obviously so you would have a bad guy let me let me turn you around on this okay you say you want an antagonist let me pitch you something because i think i can get you i think i can get you no vader because vader can't vader if vader knew that obi-wan was on tatooine and that he didn't, it would have to, yeah. He it didn't would have kill to be him. off of Tatooine. It would have to be off of Tatooine. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, you and what I mean, uh, Obi Wan would have to leave the planet for some reason, yeah. and then you know, f- get involved with Vader somehow, and then boom, yeah. he gets away. Somebody comes in and swoops in and and takes over, so Obi Wan can get away. Ahsoka, something like that. I don't know. Yeah. But anyway, you know what I mean. So that's why you're right about the the so, Tatooine thing. So you, know, you need you need an antagonist for this story, right? You need. You need a bad guy. Uh, now it's still the my antagonist for the story. The real antagonist is still Owen in my version uh-huh. of this film. Right. But you want a bad guy from outside, I, like because an outsider. You're bringing, yeah, you're bringing in some danger, maybe. For yeah, him. some danger okay. so that we can get some action. Okay. I got. I, I've got your number on this one. So you you're thinking Cad like Bane. yeah, exactly. You bring in Cad <laughs> <Yeah>. Bane. <laughs> You bring in Cad Bane, (laughs) and you have Cad Bane and a bunch of his outlaws. Yeah, see, I I, I got you. And they're harassing some settlement on behalf of Jabba and the Huts, right? Uh And here's Obi-Wan Kenobi, and I'm going to give you one deeper, okay? Obviously, we got to deal with Cad Bane, and I think that this might be his eventual end, is in this film, but... The real moment, like the great, like like goosebumps, hairs standing on end moment, is the mm. moment after Obi Wan deals with Cad Bane and his outlaws, and and somebody Owen is like, like, well, that's fine, you saved us this time, but what about the next outlaw? What about the next guy that comes? And Anchorhead's never gonna be safe, right? Mm-hmm. It's never gonna be safe. And all you've done is put a target on our back. And then Obi-Wan just kind of looks at him. And then we cut to Jabba's palace. And you just see the Gamorrean guard, like, fall choked, right? And uh, and Obi-Wan walks in and stands in front of Jabba. And it's just straight out of Return of the Jedi, right? Mm-hmm. And it's Jabba's big. He's not this little CG Jabba that we're used to in the prequels. He's big, fat lazy Jabba and Obi-Wan just steps in front of him and he's like, are we going to have a problem? And <laughs> because Obi-Wan and Jabba know each other from the clone wars, right from the clone wars film. So that it's that moment of like anchor heads under my protection. Now you go ahead and mm-hmm. you send as many of your bounty hunters as you want. And I'll send them back in pieces. Don't, mm-hmm. don't make me cause trouble and there'll be no trouble. You can have most Eisley. You can have everything else, but but uh, like Anchorhead, Tashi Station, the the moisture farms. That's my territory, and you stay out of my territory. And then like that's that's your that's your like real big moment. Mm-hmm. See, like I have just written the Obi Wan Kenobi movie because I gave you <laughs> I gave you the beginning. I gave you 
uh, Act Two with Cad Bane, and then I gave you the big, uh, the the big battle. I I I at the beginning of Act Three, and then I gave you the the, the end of the movie right there. And mm-hmm. and I'm gonna throw in one last piece, and this will be the bow on it, and then we can move on to a little bit of Last Jedi news, and then in the Freemaker Adventures. Okay. Yeah. Here's the last bow. In this film. Because Obi-Wan's no longer a Jedi. He's an exile, right? As he says, I was once a Jedi Knight, the same as your father. So he's not a Jedi Knight anymore. Like, let's get that really clear. Okay? Mm-hmm. If Obi-Wan's not a Jedi Knight anymore, then that means that his vows of whatever, uh, his the lack of attachment, which, I mean, like, we can get into the into the semantics of attachment and whether or not that means that, that uh, you can have kids, uh, you know. Whatever. We can talk about that at a later date when that comes up. But because Obi-Wan is no longer a Jedi, the Jedi Order doesn't exist, and he's just an exile on Tatooine, we can find out about his relationship with someone who would then go on to uh, maybe leave Tatooine by the end of of the film, um, and uh, or the end of the trilogy if they want to end up doing a trilogy go wherever she's going have a have a a child and uh you know this is after episode nine when we discover the 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 family connection of ray and we learn that her last name is kenobi in episode nine and this is where we get the story of how that happened how perfect is that timing to find out in nine that's yeah that she's a kenobi and then the right. next movie is, but how, right? Right. And there I you was go. Going there too. Yeah. So I'm just gonna reiterate, Lucasfilm. Like, I look, I am available. I don't have any other. I don't have anything tying me down. Okay. If it means I gotta stop doing this podcast, Matt can take it over with somebody <laughs> else, and I think everybody'd yeah. be okay with that as long as I'm making the Obi Wan Kenobi film, um, or yeah. helping at least helping. I, I was going there too. I, I that's the thing. That the last thing I was going to say was, if we do, if somehow, let's just say Ray ends up being a Kenobi, yeah. you could do that. You can go back, like you're saying, yeah. to Kenobi and find out. Oh, this is what happened. So yeah, no, I'm, I'm totally there. And, and the bounty hunter thing, I, I would mention that too. Like you can have bounty hunters, and when you said, guess what? I'm like, oh yeah, of course, Cad Bane. You yeah. can do that too. So uh, yeah, for sure. As Yoda says, always in motion is the future. And yeah. I, I, as long as the future is in motion, I'm going to choose to believe that Ray is a Kenobi um, because that'll man, that'll complete that circle awfully nice. Mm-hmm. If, if Luke can redeem the Kenobi line by training Ray, that is like, that is so good because Obi-Wan fails Anakin and Anakin becomes Vader. But, but the one bright spot in that is Luke and Leia. And so his greatest failure can become his greatest achievement through Ray, his granddaughter. Like, there you go. There you go. It's perfect. It's perfection. Could happen. It's perfection. It it makes sense. Yeah. Storytelling doesn't get better than that, in my opinion. So until I have reason to believe otherwise, that's, that's my story and I'm sticking to it. 
<laughs> now, obviously, the Obi Wan Kenobi movie yeah. cannot live up to the the expectations that are oh, set no. for it. No. But that's okay. I'll like yours, it. Yeah. As long as Ewan McGregor is in it, I really don't care what else they do. That's the truth <laughs> of it, right? Like yeah. when we get down to brass tacks. Ewan McGregor, Obi-Wan Kenobi, I'm there on day one, and day two, and day three, and day four, and day five, etc., etc. They'll make back their budget on that film just from my ticket sales alone. So, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm, I'm with you. Uh, I, can't, I can't promise that, Lucasfilm, but, but uh, I'll do my best. I'll tell yeah. you how much. Now we could go on for a while with this yeah. with this Obi Wan. There's so many things you can get into, but I guess uh, we'll just finish up with a couple of uh, Last Jedi images that came out yeah. from the Star Wars show. Uh, we got some First Order um, ships, Mike. Uh, tell them what we got. Yeah, so two uh, two new vehicles were uh, revealed. Um, now, one of these people may have seen as a Lego set already. The other is a. a to my eyes, completely new. I, I don't think that anybody else, um, any of the other, any sites, uh, revealed this earlier, spoiled it. But, um, first up is the dreadnought, the first order dreadnought, which, uh, which is this beautiful super star destroyer. Mm-hmm. Um, it looks just absolutely massive. And the thing that I love about this design, first off, I love that flat top to it. I think that that's so cool to take the idea of a Star Destroyer and just flatten yeah. it out. Um, I find it very reminiscent of the carrier from uh, from from Star Wars Rebels, which which looked kind of like a backwards Star Destroyer. Um, but, but it was also very fat, kind of like half a grilled cheese sandwich. Um, so that's kind of that's kind of what I see when I see this, and I feel like the best Star Wars ships, or some of the best Star Wars ships at least, uh, they have their origins in um, in in delicious food. Uh, for example, the Millennium Falcon uh, was famously designed after a hamburger with one bite taken out of it and an olive on the side, and I was like, there it is, that's the Millennium Falcon. Um, so I, but the coolest thing about this ship, about the dreadnought are these two just absolutely massive orbital bombardment cannons on the underside. Um, I just, I love that. I think that that's just so, so cool. So it's really this, this ship, um, it's got that on the underside and then on the top side is just rows of turbo lasers and um i see it i see poe dameron up against this thing and i feel like (laughs) i'm actually going to be worried about him and i think that after his performance in the force awakens the first order really needs to bring out pun intended the big guns to um to make us feel like poe dameron could be in some real danger. And, and I think that yeah. this ship accomplishes that. Um, yeah. The other vehicle that they revealed, which is the one that I, I, I sort of mentioned before that, that had been leaked in a Lego set mm-hmm. is the ATM six. And the ATM six is different from an, an ad hat, an ATAT, an Imperial Walker in the, the construction that this, it's kind of like, the original walkers were like um, elephants, right? 
And then the right. ATTE was kind of like a beetle, right? That's how I looked at it. I looked at it as like a Bombardier beetle. If you've ever uh-huh. seen one of those, oh, yeah. um, or like uh, or like uh, one of those the beetles with the big uh, the a uh, rhino beetle with the big horn, mm-hmm. right? It always kind of reminded me of that. The ATM six. Uh, or the at six, as people uh, <laughs> who like to say at at should call it. Um, I, like I always say, I prefer Imperial Walker. I think it sounds the best. So yeah. these first order walkers, as I will call them, are designed more with more of like this gorilla look, which I really love. I love this like big fist on the front of it. Yeah. And then the justification is that it has this huge M6 cannon in its backside, um, just sort of in that hunch over the head. And, uh, and, and that thing looks, uh, pretty dangerous. So these are the walkers that we see the, um, um, oh, what, what are they called? I feel like it was revealed in the EW stuff lately, recently. The, um, the planet you're talking about or on, it's on, on, um, um, oh, What's the, what is the planet? It's crate, crate, crate. Yeah, um, and uh, the the ships are sled speeders. I want to say, is that what they were called? I can't remember, but they're the ones. Yeah. They're the ones in the in the the speeders, the air speeders in the in the trailer that are like dragging the fin along right. the the rock and creating that really great that red um right. that red dust trail which which uh is gonna just look fantastic in imax 3d um oh man yeah so the those yeah. ships will be going up against these these uh first order walkers and i uh, i can't wait for this scene i can't wait <laughs> for it i like yeah. I think so far of everything in the Last Jedi that I am the most excited about, there are two things that top the list. Uh, obviously, we don't know that this is going to happen yet, so don't call me uh, a spoiler. Uh, but Luke igniting that green lightsaber again, uh, in, yes. you know, for the first time in in thirty years, uh, thirty plus years, I should say, uh, that is going to be just phenomenal i'm so excited if that 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 possibility is even on the table i was hoping it would happen in the force awakens but i think it'll happen in the last jedi oh me too uh yeah and uh and then this scene uh, because man empire might not be my favorite star wars movie but it does have one of my all-time favorite action sequences, and that is the the Imperial Walkers, the the Snow Speeders versus the Walkers on Hoth. The Battle of Hoth is just—I have played that so many times. I whether it be with action figures, or I should say more accurately, micro machines. I in Shadows of the Empire, in uh, both or all three Rogue Squadron games, I should say. I. Yeah, I man, it is the Battle of Hoth is 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 the greatest. Uh or I should say one of the greatest battles. It is the greatest land battle in Star Wars. I'll say mm-hmm. that much. And the the idea that the last Jedi can possibly outdo that 
That's a very exciting prospect. <laughs> so I'm I'm sort of on the edge of my seat and and revealing these, and and you know uh, Poe is going to be piloting one of those ships, and I think Finn might be piloting one of those ships as well. I can't wait. Is it December yeah. yet? Is I know. This, I know. It's still August, it's, isn't it? All these dang uh, teases, man. It's just yeah. like whoa. And you mentioned it. These we get these two vehicles, and it is. It's almost like um, it's familiar, but they've added just added great stuff to it. So yeah. I'm even more excited. Like this Walker. Like at first, when I first heard the term Gorilla Walker, I'm like, okay, I I I, I kind of get it, but I didn't. I haven't seen any pictures. And then seeing these pictures, and when you, you kind of fuzz your eyes a little bit, and you're like, oh. Of course, you do see that the forearms are are bigger than like the arm part. You know what I mean? Like you said, yeah. the big uh, feet and the big wrist almost. And then the way it's kind of walking, it looks almost like it's hunched over. So, and it just looks it looks meaner. It looks nastier. It's just like, oh man, both of these things. Um, yeah. Man, they just look good, and and they're just like you said, teasing us with all these pictures and. And uh, it's time. It's time to get. Uh, we got to be getting a trailer here real soon. Now that I, we got all this stuff, usually it's like, okay, here's a bunch of stuff, and now here's a trailer. Check yeah. it out. So, yeah, um, we'll see what happens in the next few weeks. But yeah. um, expecting a trailer. So, yeah, lots of good stuff, man. Let's. Um, well, I guess what, we can transition, huh? One last thing before we get into Free Maker Adventures. I uh, new Star Wars blip. I, I oh, yeah, yeah. was yeah. released yesterday as of this recording so that would have been tuesday um uh, for people who are listening to this in the future i and most notable thing about this one first appearance of porgs um other than in the the behind the scenes uh, video so yeah um yeah porgs very heavily featured and i look man force friday I, i got i have one goal um are you pork hunting yeah i'm just i all i want is a pork uh and that that's it and and uh the rest everything else i'll wait uh it's okay with with both the force awakens and rogue one there were lots of figures after the fact um the initial rush was obviously difficult to get to get what you were looking for but eventually there were plenty of Ray action figures and Poe and Han Solo and everything you could ever want. And uh, with Rogue One, now I'm not saying that this has any reflection on the quality of the film, but uh, hey, you want a Jin or a Cassian figure? Because My Toys R Us has just entire rows of those things out front, and I think that they have quite a few more in the back. So, I, mm-hmm. uh, you know, K2SO, nope, can't find a single one of those out in the wild anymore. But if you want a Jin or a Cassian, I just don't think that there's a lot of kids going like, I want to be Cassian Anders when I, when I grow up. Uh, <laughs> certainly not in the way that they say that with Han Solo or Luke Skywalker or uh, Ray right. or Finn. So um, I, I'm not saying that it has a reflection on the quality of the film. I'm just going to say maybe those movies are a little less Star Wars than some other stuff. Um, because those characters did not connect with the t- key demographic that Star Wars is made for. Um, right. Because Rogue One wasn't made for them. And I I, that, I think that's why I'm just not that hot on it. 
Um, you're coming. You're coming around though a little bit. Yeah, I, I mean, times. like it's a good movie. I just, it's just not the kind of Star Wars that I want. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, I got you. I'm just being salty. <laughs> I'm just being. I'm just being a, 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 a smart mouth. That's all. <laughs> hey, it's all good. It's all good, man. Everybody gets to to think what they want. Everybody yeah. gets their opinions. So. <laughs> it's all good. All cool. good. Want to jump well, into Freemakers? Uh, let's do it. Lego Star Wars, the Freemaker Adventures. Sorry, I couldn't reach the brakes. All right, so my flight of the arrowhead, we start off with uh, the Freemakers. They arrive back to the uh, Rebel fleet, and they jump right into a space battle. This thing just kicks off, uh, guns a-blazing right from the beginning. Star Destroyers are everywhere. Uh, Lieutenant Valeria is back, and she's right in the mix as well. Uh, the Star Scavenger gets attacked by uh, a bunch of ties, and then uh, Rowan throws out the trash to to stop them. I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, and Cordy flips out. I love. Oh, that is it moment. Cordy? Yeah, she's messing. She's all mad because you know that's her stuff right there. Yeah. Uh, so they land inside the frigate, uh, inside one of the frigates, and they roll out the kyber crystals to Cory uh, to finish the uh, to finish the Arrowhead. Uh, and we learned from the last episode that the kyber crystals are explosive, so they have to be like super careful. And uh, Quarry needs a pilot of extreme skill, as he says it. And uh, we all know he's talking about Lieutenant. But for a moment here, Quarry goes, "Hey, we need a pilot with chromium nerves and Nexu reflexes." And then Xander, just in this in this crazy funny tone, in a kind of quiet tone, he goes, "I am so flattered, rested, and ready." <laughs> and, it, and, and it kind of goes on. So that just the way, not only what he's saying, but his tone of voice, like I mentioned last episode, just the uh, Eugene Byrne who's voicing Xander. Love this guy and, and the different takes he has on different lines. And this line was one of those, you know, say it just monotone. And it, just, it was so funny. So uh, one of my favorite lines of this ep- uh, episode yeah. was Xander. Um, then we go to Corey wants like i said lieutenant valeria to uh to pilot the arrowhead and they have to do it kind of off uh they want to get off the planet right mike yeah yeah okay yeah oh yeah i think i think it's too it's too dangerous to put the ship together in and that right in the inside home one so they're, yeah. they're trying to get out of there and um get somewhere safe they need a they need basically a safe workspace yeah. to to put the kyber crystal in place so yeah. I first and foremost, they got to get into the sh- into the arrowhead and pilot it out of home one, which right. led uh-huh. to one of my favorite parts, which is uh, as they're going through it. It's like it's like it, the, the, the handling on this ship is, right. is way off. And they're like, yeah, we haven't really had a chance to fine tune it yet. And I just love it because it's it's just that the, the great comedic moment of um, it's a great running joke throughout this episode of like, well, you know, like, what about this? Uh, yeah, we haven't installed that yet. What yeah. about this? Well, uh, it's not wired up just yet. Oh, well, what about this? Eh, we still need to work on it. Yeah, she um, says, uh, no, there's no blasters. There's no vector plates. Uh, so like you said, Mike, they're kind of just, they're flying out there just, which is them. They're kind of flying dead almost. So it was, that was a great, great comedy take on yeah. 
do we do we have this? No. Do we have that? No. Do we have this? No. Not yet. So, it just it's yeah. so reminiscent of the Millennium Falcon and like oh, yeah. watch this. Yeah. Watch what? <laughs> right? Would it help right, if right. I got out and pushed? Push, yeah. I I yeah, like just it's that kind of a moment of 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 good Star Wars humor. Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So um so they get they get out of the, the hangar bay. Um, they, uh, go to hyperspace and guess where they land. They land on Jakku. Um, wow. And and here's the thing. I didn't know that. I don't know why I didn't know, but it was just, it was kind of a shock to me to see this. I didn't think they would ever go any place like this, but bam, here we are. So this is pretty, pretty cool to see them go on the planet of, of Jakku and Durpin and Plume Striker. They're actually already there on the, uh, Hapabor's kind of marking some territory and uh, a funny scene here. You know, I think I'm not, I can't remember which one is on it, but they're doing like Mark 23. There's yellow sand, Mark 24, yellow sand, Mark 25 sand with an off yellow glow. So uh, they're doing these marker things and, and the sand is obviously all sand is sand, you know I mean? And just the fact that they can identify it a little bit with an off yellow glow. I thought that was kind of, yeah. Fun, yeah. So. Is good. I, I love that they're using Jakku like this, that it's yeah. um, it's sort of noted as like, well, this is out of the way. There's nobody here. It's really quiet. We'll, right. we'll be able to work on the ship in peace. Um, and uh, and it just happens to be the same place that uh, that Durpin and Plume Striker uh, are reassigned to. Um, yeah. I love how these characters just it, it plays into the, the small galaxy um sort of trope in star wars of like everywhere these characters go they seem to run into each other so they have a whole galaxy to travel through <laughs> and right. uh, and and they just happen to run into these characters um yeah i love it and plume striker is in charge now and i i yeah. uh i noticed that like oh, okay there's something going on with the power with, between these two now so plume striker is in charge um now we get to a scene with i I think it was a star scavenger was kind of swallowed up by I'm guessing which is the the night worm or the night watcher worm is did you, is that what you got Mike? From um, that? no, it's the arrowhead because then they have. To I mean the arrowhead, not, yeah. not the star scavenger, the arrowhead. Um, I, yeah. I I took it as the sinking sands. Yeah, like like in the Force Awakens. Yeah, like in the Force Awakens with the tie fighter. Right. That's okay, what that's what I gathered from that was okay. was that that part of it is that like they landed in the sinking sands without knowing it um and uh and so the yeah the the arrowhead gets swallowed up and then explodes and and burped back out um and they managed yeah. to recover most of the pieces except for one of those really important pieces that they uh the energy matrix yeah the energy they, matrix which yeah. they gotten back from the wheel right um yeah. and uh derpin and plume striker have it of course which it's going to lead to all kinds of complications. Yeah. You know, this is a point where uh, they switch back to the rebel fleet. It's still under attack. And Akbar needs, he needs that help from Corey. He's like, Hey man, we, you got to get that thing finished and get back here. Cause we're yeah. taking some heat. So Corey says they have the arrowhead. They'll have it ready soon. Of course it was in uh, all in pieces. And like you said, Mike, they're missing that energy matrix activator. Uh, Corey and, and Rowan, they stay behind to work on the ship while the rest of them go after the activator and like you said they find it with Durpin and Plume Striker and uh they kind of suffer for this clever plan over a smart um 
see, this is the point where uh, – oh, here it is. Roger and Xander, they kind of run at them crazy. Yeah. And they just get captured. You know, like, what's your plan? No, no time for smart. <laughs> yeah, that's right. No time for smart. That's what it was, yeah. And uh, they just run to get and, and get captured. And Ploop Striker wants to call it in. But Durpin reminds him that promotions lead to more responsibility. And we've always been reminded that Durpin does not want more responsibility. So yeah. uh, Cordy, she puts on a bucket on her head and she tries to uh, uh, appear that she's Vader. <laughs> so she, then she's in the hologram. Uh, and they kind of go for it. And then she shows up on top of the dunes and uh, she tries to trick Durpin uh, and Plume Striker. But Plume Striker figures out that it's Cordy, and she she starts blasting, knocking uh, the bucket off of her head. Um, and it was all part of the plan because Lieutenant Valeria she snuck around behind them, and she gets the upper hand. She steals back the activator, and probably the funniest scene uh, that we get is the chase on the half of Wars Mike. Yeah. Um, this is one of those gags that uh, I've seen before. You know, like. I, this definitely reminded me of Seinfeld. There's a there's a Seinfeld episode where George is on one of those larks, you know, the little electric scooter things yeah. that you sit on. And uh, he hits, as he's driving down the sidewalk, he hits into a bunch of older folks that have him, and he hits one. And they all get up and go, hey, did you hit my bike? And then there's a little, little tiny scuffle, and then he jumps on his lark, and then the, the, the uh, elders jump on their lark, and they're driving, you know, like two miles an hour down yeah. the sidewalk chasing each other. Yeah. So it was that great gag, but seeing – it again here it definitely funny just a new take on that with half of boris loved it uh and then they ultimately jump off and run away so um yeah. did you have you ever seen that episode mike of seinfeld where they do that oh yeah of course okay you've seen it okay yeah, yeah. but yeah probably the funniest scene i just love that on the half of boris they get on top and the half of boris are so slow they just a couple couple steps at a time great gag yeah. loved it um let's see we get to uh derpin and plume striker they take uh an atst and are right back in the fight as the Freemakers, uh, and they have the Freemakers in their sights. Duper and uh, Durpin and Plume Striker start fighting in the cockpit of the ATST. Uh, Durpin is so against the promotion that he sabotages Plume Striker in a way, right? It's kind of like a sabotage, right, Mike? Yeah. Is that what you got from that? Yeah, yeah. kind of. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, then Rowan and Corey, they have completed the Arrowhead, and they, all they need is that activator. So Corey and Xander, they show up. Uh, Durpin and Plume Striker are right behind them in the ATST, and Lieutenant Valeria goes off, uh, goes on the offensive here to give Rowan and Corey some time uh, to, you know, to fix it. Uh, and Lieutenant Valeria is hit just as they try to blast her, and Xander flies in to help out and rams the uh, rams into the ATST uh, just as he jumps out of his uh, plane. Now, what did he ram it with? It was uh, it wasn't the it wasn't the uh, Star Scavenger, was it? Or was it? No, it's the mini Star Scavenger. Because that's where they, okay. they took okay. that over to, to where Durpin and Plume Striker were. Okay, that's right. That's right. So, um, yeah, so we get that that kind of a cool little action scene with Lieutenant Valeria uh, Xander is coming into the rescue. But here's a big thing. Yeah, Rowan uses the Force to levitate the Kyber Crystal and attach it to the Arrowhead. So it's finally finished, Mike. And uh, Lieutenant Valeria recommends Xander as a pilot. So I thought it was a really cool scene. Here's Xander now finally getting his recognition from Lieutenant Valeria, who always thought of him as kind of like a just a helper guy, you know, a fix-it guy. Yeah. Uh, so Xander gets to kind of gets the um, 
uh, kudos from Lieutenant Valeria. So uh, Xander and Rowan take off and deploy the ember steel blade, slicing the ATST in half. And man, this thing is a major weapon, man. Can you imagine if they had something like this in for the Rebel? I mean, in the movies and stuff like that for the Rebel fleet? <laughs> this thing is doing some damage, right, Mike? I mean, yeah, it's crazy. I imagine, and I mean, like, people people may have already actually watched all of the episodes. So I understand that I have only watched up until the episodes yeah. that we're talking right. about tonight. I have them all in my PBR, yep. but I'm being very disciplined in not finishing because I want to I wanna give, like, fresh reactions to each pair of episodes. Um but yeah, I imagine that the arrowhead that Rowan, similarly to to the Kyber Saber, will realize that the arrowhead is way too powerful. It's way too yeah, powerful I, of a I, weapon because it yeah. falls into the wrong hands. If the Empire gets their hands on it, that changes the oh, whole man. game because uh, the Freemakers and the Rebel Alliance may be using it to fight for freedom, but the empire will use it as a weapon to destroy and subjugate. Right. Um, right. So I, I have to imagine that that's why we don't see it. The other part of that is, is I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe it is at the battle, battle of Endor. Maybe by the end of the season, we're going to discover that and we're going to find out why things went the way that they did. But the end of the next episode sort of, leaves us in a place where where i don't know a lot of things could happen um, yeah well, we'll this one this one yeah we can actually get there this one actually ends up with uh back at the rebel fleet obviously they're in serious trouble yeah um and the arrowhead kind of arrives just in time this is where we get like you just talked about my this um ember steel this thing is going through star destroyers i mean it's going crazy and the empire ultimately kind of bugs out and gets out of there so Serious, serious weapon, like you said. Uh, we get a shot of the Emperor, and uh, there's a some talk between what's going. Uh, I think he was him and some um, just regular Empire dudes, you know. And they're talking about. Uh, yeah. He was not 12 years old. He was 12 and a half. Yeah. So a nice little funny thing there. Uh, but here it is. This is kind of a great scene, right? We get an award scene. We get a medal ceremony reminiscent of the ceremony we saw on Yavin in Star Wars. Xander gets a medal and is now a flight uh, cadet. And he, he actually he kind of makes a funny quip. He says, I guess flight leader wasn't available. So he's a flight cadet. Cordy gets a medal and she's appointed the quartermaster. And Rowan uh, gets the master shipbuilder uh, kind of a, an award. So, But unlike in Star Wars, Roger gets uh, – although uh, actually yeah, like Star Wars, Chewie didn't get a medal. Roger got no medal as yeah. well. So <laughs> – Obviously, he has a nice little nod to uh, to everybody that, uh, hey, Roger didn't get one, Chewie didn't get one. Hey, it's, it's the way it is sometimes. It, maybe they run out of medals. I don't know. But uh, Roger probably should have deserved one, too, just like Chewie, right, Mike? What do you think? Yeah, well, Cordy did point out that they're quite expensive. So, uh, No, that's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> I think maybe that had something to do with it. Maybe. <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I, I thought that was pretty funny, too, especially considering that Roger has saved the day a couple of times already this season so yeah 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 so we jump into um let's jump into a perilous per, a perilous rescue mm -hmm. uh we start off with the scene meeting with the moc vader and the emperor they're on coruscant uh, the emperor is not happy with the moc and the and he suggests 
uh, a list of all his failures. And uh, I thought that was kind of funny. Uh, but uh, he's got no, he hasn't found Rowan yet. Uh, no Kyber Saber. He's like, what are you doing? So they have construction issues with the Death Star. And to the Emperor's relief, they can get the, uh, it, it was kind of funny. He's like, um, what's the problem? And he's talking about his, I think it's his dining room. And he says, no, 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 it's okay. We can get the Rosha wood for your dining room. We're okay yeah, there. Yeah. So he kind of says, okay. <laughs> you know, first world problems, I guess, for the Emperor is making mm-hmm. sure his dining room has Rosha wood. Um, but the Emperor uh, the, and the MOC invader, oh, the Emperor wants the MOC invader to work together, which is an interesting little twist here. Although Vader would rather have the, the zappity zap from the Emperor, the Emperor wants Rowan and Freemaker, and he actually says his right name this time. He actually calls him Rowan Freemaker uh, because he actually wrote it on his desk. So that's how he can remember yeah. uh, his name. But he wants uh, Vader and the MOC to work together. Mike, this is not going to end up well, is it? I no, I not not for somebody. <laughs> I, I yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. look, Anakin was never particularly a great team player either, uh, and uh, and I think yeah. that becoming Darth Vader. Uh, basically wiped out the last of his uh, uh, cooperation skills. Let's call them. Yeah, um, exactly. So when yeah when when Vader is required to work nicely with MOC, there's only one way that that's gonna go. Um, I, I <laughs> yeah, love this good. part of the story for sure. Yeah, by, uh, so we get some biker scout troopers are in a firefight with Lieutenant Valeria and some Wookiees on Kashyyyk. Uh, and it's funny, if you listen closely, you can hear the Wilhelm scream, which is a a, a sound that uh, they put pretty much in every movie. Uh, yeah. That it, it's pretty much, yeah, I think it is in every movie, actually. It's in so, every one of the Star Wars films, yeah. Sure. Sounds, exactly. Uh, Zandy, Cord, uh, Xander, Cordy, and Rowan are in the Arrowhead, and a trio of Imperial walkers arrives, and Cordy asks them to surrender, and they're like, she's... The Walker pilot's like, she's kidding, right? Uh, but the arrowhead slices right through the necks of all three of these uh, these adats. So, um, again, we're seeing the power of this ember steel and the uh, the arrowhead. Uh, the Freemakers arrive at the Rebel fleet uh, to a hero's welcome, actually. Akbar, Hera is there, Dodonna, Mon Mothma, and they address the Rebels. And the thing is they want to put pressure on the Empire now, kind of get them on the ropes here. And the squads all take off, and Lieutenant Valeria asks Xander to join Blue Squadron, Mike. So Xander's now in Blue Squadron, which is kind of cool. Yep. Then Hera and Mon Mothma ask Cordy to join the – they call it the Strategy Council. Uh, so this is kind of a big deal, and obviously Cordy's nervous, but that's a pretty big deal, Mike. Uh, yeah. What would you say, Mike? Yeah, yeah. huge deal. Sure. Huge deal. Yeah. Um, Rowan and uh, – Roger and Rowan are working on a new uh, – I think they call it ugly. It's kind of funny. Uh, Rowan's kind of working on something. Uh, Corey is sleeping when he asked uh, when Rowan asked Corey, "What? So what do we do now?" Like, I, I built the Arrowhead. Now what? And Corey says, "Hey, it's time to relax," uh, which Rowan has never really tried. But obviously, Corey is really good at it because he's kind of sleeping in the corner. So we get this thing where Rowan is almost like now, like. Did I serve my purpose? Like I'm, I finished the Arrowhead now. Yeah. Like, what do I do now? So, kind of a question that uh, gets answered. So we jump to Vader and the MOC sitting across from each other. Uh, they're arguing and they start to fight when the Emperor comes in to like to check on him. And uh, Vader kind of covers it quickly by saying, "Quote." He goes, uh, "Oh, and that's how you do a defensive block." So these these guys are actually have the lightsabers out. 
Yeah. And uh, this is kind of a thing that like I remember doing when I was a kid, when our parents would come up and and me and my brother were fighting. It's just I think it's just it's so funny because uh, like I, I want to say like we've all done this kind of thing before where you kind of like pretend something else when you're mad at somebody, but somebody walks in to check on you, but you're pretending like, oh, everything's fine. You know, so I thought I just I love that part of it. Um, and then the emperor, uh, emperor kind of buys it and he leaves. Meanwhile, the MOC invader decide to go about finding Rowan their own particular way. So this is where they break up, Mike, and kind uh, uh, of find Rowan, like I said, on their own way. They have their own ways of finding him. So starts to get really meaty here. Back with Rowan, uh, he's laying down and he relaxing. He jumps awake. He asks Roger, he goes, so how long have I been resting? And Roger goes, about one minute and six seconds. So Rowan can't sit still, Mike, right? So... Um, Go ahead, go ahead, Mike. You want to mention oh, something? Oh, no, I didn't say anything. Okay. Um, so he's just bored, right? Yeah. He's, he's, he's bored, and he just wants – oh, and this is the point where uh, we get a hologram from Maynar, so the Lerman from the last episode. Yeah. Uh, the hologram, and tells Rome they are under attack from the Empire to gain more crystals. And, of course, we all know that at this point the MOC is – um, or Vader at this point, I didn't know which one it was going to be at the, at this particular point, but it sounds like a trap. It all leads up to a trap. <laughs> yeah. Akbar, so, where are you when we need you? Yeah. Right. I mean, come on. So, um, and we get the line from Maynard. She goes, help me Rowan Freemaker. You're my only hope. Did you catch yeah. that? Yeah. I did. <laughs> okay. Sure. You got, it. <laughs> um, so he sets out for, uh, he sets out, Rowan goes, Hey man, we got to go find her. I got to go help her. He sets out for Qualadon with Roger and uh, like I said, we all know this is a trap, but um, he he's, you know, he wants to help. He likes to help people. He's bored. He wants to do something. He wants yeah. to get in a fight. So here he goes. Um, he didn't get that it, lesson from Yoda. No, he's right? looking for adventure and excitement. Unfortunately, <laughs> but yeah, yeah, no, it's, I, gonna, I it's not going to work out well for him, right? Like that's the thing. There's a, a bit of a lesson. The thing that I find really interesting about these two episodes, and it's great. I think that they got paired up like this in our reviews is that um, they both have great funny moments in them, but they're actually not that silly. Like, like flight of the arrowhead has, has a couple of really good comedy moments. Um, But the humor is actually quite grounded in a lot of places. Like, like, like the stuff with the ships and, and even to a certain degree, the Hapabor chase is a little bit, it's a little bit more of like a, a a chuckle moment than a laugh out loud moment, right? Right, right. Um, and they're kind of they're a little bit more sparse in the comedy department in these two episodes, but some really really great storytelling occurs, and especially in this episode, in in a perilous rescue, I feel like the setup of um, of of Cordy and Xander being too busy for their younger brother and sort of taking on their new roles. Obviously this already happened once this season, Mm-mm. but um, uh, they're kind of, they, they didn't really learn their lesson that time. And they're kind of off, you know, saving the, the galaxy. Um, I, but I think in this instance, they, they think that, that Rowan has his place as well. And they don't realize that, Oh, he's kind of, he's a little lost at the moment. Um, Mm -hmm. and so MOC manages to just perfectly take advantage of this, whether he means to or not, 
with this this uh, ruse uh, involving uh, Maynar and uh, and 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 Qualidon. Um and so this moment is so good, uh, especially when because um, this is what we're getting into right now, right? Is when he gets there, discovers that that Maynar is a hologram, right? And that it's actually Moc that's led him into a trap. And then they have their battle, and Moc has managed to um, finally gather enough data to defeat Rowan. And it was sort of inevitable, right? Every time they battled and and Rowan didn't destroy Moc, mm-hmm. um, Moc got more powerful. Basically, he he became better at tracking and fighting Rowan as he gathered more data. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Which makes him this really scary villain, right? And and that sort of comes to a culmination in this moment when when uh, uh, Moc manages to get Rowan's lightsaber away from him, and uh, and Moc's got all three lightsabers, and he's like, "You're done, right?" And you're thinking, like, "Man, how is Rowan going to get out of this? Like, what right. trick is he going to pull? What thing is going to happen? Who's going to show up? Maybe Jack's going to come back, right?" Um, could, or did Jack die last season? No, he's uh, no, I think he's, he's still alive, right? He went off on his own, right? So Jack, could, Jack yeah. is still in play. Could come back at any moment. Um, I so it's like, what? Who's gonna show up to save the day? And somebody does, but they're not necessarily saving the day. And this is this is possibly one of the greatest moments, in my opinion, of the entire series, is when that help comes from a very um, surprising place and is not all that helpful. It turns out when Vader arrives and saves Rowan from MOC and, uh, and MOC meets his untimely end at the hands of Darth Vader. um, Yeah. Finally. And uh, unfortunately that means that Rowan now in the hands of Darth Vader. Yeah, that's that's you know going back to this fight, um, there was a point where Moc, like you said, he traps Rowan and he tells Rowan how he knows what he'll do. He's prone to impulsive yeah. and rash behavior, and he goes, "And you care." So, like you said, he's every time he he, he meets him and deals with him, he learns more, and and that's that's a cool way to yeah. see somebody gain the upper advantage. Um, it's just like Vader with with. Han and Leia on Bespin, right? Yeah, right. Vader does the same thing. He uses the same trick. Yeah. So, so um, he tricks Moc into thinking he's hiding in a box, and he he breaks from the closet, and he goes like full on like beast mode on the Moc. And I, I was going to ask you, Mike, because uh, I wrote this question: like, does Rowan actually show a little bit like of of anger there? Did you did you notice that? Like. Just a yeah. moment there where he's just like, you know what I mean? A little bit. I think at the at the threat against the people that he cares about, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's interesting because this is this is that thing that we're told that the Jedi aren't supposed to feel, right? Um, right. That they that the old order um, attachment is forbidden, um, and yet. We see it in in Ezra. We see it in Luke. We see it in Rowan. We see it in Ray. Um, and it's that they're just like 
it's just on the fringe of the dark side and they always have to pull it back. I think that it was really understated in this moment. I don't think that it was one of those good versus evil moments. I think I think that Rowan was just like just at the at the the threat to to Maynar and his his uh, siblings. He was prepared to go all out and I think that Rowan was his intent was to finish this once and for all, right? To to right. end MOC and uh, and make sure that all of those people are safe, but obviously mm-hmm. that's not the way that this plays out. Yeah, right. And and, and you know what's another thing too? I mentioned or I wrote down is um, in this scene with Vader too. Um, the Imperial March is playing in the background. Yeah, and again they they use that familiar stuff. I love that stuff. Uh, and then like you said, Mike. Um, he let he, Vader. He lets Moc do all the work, and then Vader takes all the credit. And now Vader, like you said, Vader has Rowan, and now it's like, whoa, stakes yeah. are uh, raised a little high now. So back at the Rebel fleet, Xander and Cordy, you know, they can't wait to tell each other about their days. Like, hey, guess what happened? And they notice that Rowan is missing. Uh, and then Roger arrives in the Star Scavenger and bounces out of it. He's cut in half, and he tells Cordy and Xander that uh, Vader has Rowan, and they're at Coruscant. And that's kind of how the uh, the episode. Uh, finishes up so finishes up on a cliffhanger uh and yeah. like you said i'm I, i'm doing the same thing where i don't know what's happening now i'm just watching them as we go so um yeah cliffhanger here where, what's gonna happen with rowan and and yeah. i think the bigger question is what's gonna happen with the um with the arrowhead because like you said massive weapon and and in the wrong hands of course it's going to be uh bad news for for the rebel fleet well so, and and um, now that now that vader and the emperor have rowan um, they have this bargaining chip and, and, um, not only has Rowan built the arrowhead, but I mean, he knows the secret of building with kyber crystals, right? He's a force right. builder and that's a really dangerous ability to have in the hands of the emperor. And so how's this going to play out? Because the kyber saber may have been destroyed, but Rowan can build another one, right? right. Um, and and obviously he's built the Arrowhead, and with Kyber Crystals, Rowan can build an entire fleet of Arrowheads, right? Because mm-hmm. the, the Empire has limitless resources. They'll just manufacture the pieces that they need. It's not like the Rebel right. Alliance, where it's a little bit more difficult for them to come by stuff. So... If the emperor can use uh, some some sort of leverage to convince Rowan to join him, uh, that's that puts the the rebellion in, in quite a bit of danger. So <clears throat> it's going to be very interesting to see how that goes. And and I think one of the things that they did really well on in this episode is um, right towards the end. You kind of mentioned it. Uh, raising the stakes by slicing uh, Roger in half. And for a minute, I was worried that that was the end of Roger. I was like, no way. But right. then I was like, that's right. He's a droid. You can just put him back together. Um, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, like, the, it did give me that pause of like, oh, oh my goodness, is is Rowan in real trouble? Like, is are these characters in real peril this mm-hmm. time? And yeah. uh, and that's I just think that that's fantastic. I think that that it ratcheted up the intensity of the story and is bringing it to a very 
uh, mature place that uh, that season one didn't quite go. So I, I love it. It's been one of my favorite things about watching this season is watching this show grow up a little bit. Um, and it didn't need to. That's the thing. And when we say uh, that this show has no right being as good as it is, that's what I'm talking about is that like season one was awesome. I mm-hmm. love season one of Freemaker Adventures. I thought it was so much fun. The, there are some just fantastic moments. The the museum on Naboo, the the N one Starfighter in in uh, Xander's Joyride, and and like the the Vader moment with that. Every time Grabala and Bash and Ram are on screen, Dengar. Season one was so much fun, but it, there wasn't really a lot of gravitas to it. Season two feels like real Star Wars. That's just punctuated with these Lego moments. And so it makes me go like, what's season three going to be like? And it, it <laughs> yeah. really reminds me of one of my favorite shows of all time. The first uh, computer, fully computer animated television show, Reboot, which uh, is actually was made in Vancouver uh, and uh, I, back in the, in the early 90s. And is is one of my favorite shows of all time and the first season is very kid focused it's very um adventure of the week sort of thing season two started to bring in these these more um i i overarching story elements and sort of this this continuity between episodes Mm -hmm. and then season three took that show and just cranked it up to 11 and you know, yeah. uh, at the end of season two, Bob spoilers for reboot. Bob dies or is seemingly dead because he's launched into the web. And then in season three, Enzo has to has to step up and uh, and save the day, but he's not able to because he's just a kid and he ends up getting lost in the games and and becomes Matrix and and uh, and is this this sort of um, edgy anti-hero character and like. They really, really ratcheted that show up in its third season um, and made it grow up with its audience. Now, the thing about Reboot is that there were very big gaps between those seasons. Freemaker mm-hmm. Adventures is going year by year. And so if there's a season three, season three will theoretically be next year. Hopefully there is. Um, I mean, like if if the quality is any indicator, season three is a given. So Lucasfilm, right. if you're listening, season three, please. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. But I would love to see in season three them them move that progression along a little bit further, and and have the the characters get a little bit older, and it'll it'll take place post Return of the Jedi, and that is interesting, mm-hmm. right? Because yeah. we're just now starting to explore that era. We got a little bit in Shattered Empire, the comic book, and a little bit in um, in the Aftermath trilogy, but. Um, we're gonna, we're about to get quite a bit more in Battlefront Two, and uh, and I would love it if we got some more of that. And and you know, the thing about season three of Freemaker Adventures, if it's happening, I hope it is, is that it will take place after the Last Jedi comes out, and that means that we'll have a few more answers about the Jedi Order and about Luke and what happened after Return of the Jedi. And mm. I have a question. <laughs> I have oh. a question regarding Rowan Freemaker, young Jedi 
in training, young force builder in training with no Jedi master, could Rowan be part of the new generation of Jedi Knights? And if Mm. so, what happened? Um, and, and I don't know that we'll see that in Lego star Wars fashion, but I do think that as we get close to episode nine and we get more answers and especially after episode nine, once I think the full story has been revealed of what happened to lead Kylo Ren to the dark side or more accurately to Snoke. Um, I think once we've got those answers, we can find out was Rowan part of that. Was Rowan one of the ones killed by the Knights of Ren? Um, or is Rowan still out there? Because mm-hmm. uh, I think that is all very interesting. Um, wouldn't it be just ridiculous? I'm not going to throw this out there as like a, this is a possibility because I don't know that it is. I don't think that it is. But wouldn't it be crazy if it turned out that Ray? is a free maker as well. <laughs> like, wouldn't that be, wouldn't that, wouldn't that be nuts if she was like the daughter of Rowan? Um, yeah. I mean, like Very that would be, that would be a really interesting thing that like this show that started as Lego star Wars ends up being so integrally tied to the saga. Um, as I said earlier, I'm firmly of the mind that Ray is a Kenobi. Um, and, you know, uh, for any Lucasfilm employees listening, feel free to confirm or deny. Um, if you say nothing, I'm going to take that as confirmation that Ray is, in fact, a Kenobi. So uh, your move. Uh, but, yeah, I, all joking aside, like I, like that that could be a really cool moment to find out that uh, they that, like I would love it if in the if in the theater we're sitting there in maybe it's in The Last Jedi, maybe it's in. It's in uh, episode nine, but there's a moment where she reveals her last name or her 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 heritage, her family ancestry is is revealed, and it's and it's Rowan Freemaker, and like two people in the theater are like, "Whoa, that's awesome!" <laughs> and everybody else in the theater is like, "Are we supposed to know who that is?" <laughs> you know that's gonna happen, too. Yeah. Yeah, and it's just like like it's like me and like a a twelve year old that are like, that's so cool. That's rad. I love it. The Freemaker Adventures is one of my favorite shows. Um and then everybody (laughs) else in the theater is like, What's a Freemaker adventure? I don't understand. What's that guy so excited about? Um I think that would be just that would be such a great moment for fans of this show. Uh that I, I I you know I'm trying to set up a myriad of expectations yeah. for for Star Wars moving into the future. I highly doubt that's that that's the case, there. but the story group is involved, and if the story group is involved, anything is possible, and everything is connected. So, yeah, that's all I'll say on yeah, that. Yeah, this is uh, yeah. No, I'm. Th- this is another two solid episodes, like you said. That the the tone so of the series yeah. seems to, yeah, it kind of shifted a little bit than than last season, which is great. Um, I mean, look at Cordy's now part of this council. Um, so the there this family has just been rising and rising in the ranks here, and it's and it's going pretty quick. Uh, and this episode had you know some darker tones in it that uh, I thought was interesting. Love seeing Vader and Amos go at it. So a lot of great stuff um, going on here, and I'm looking forward to see it what happens in the next we only got three episodes left so um 
we're headed to the end right here. Three more. That's it. Yep. We're that's almost today, done. But that's, yeah, that is it for tonight. Uh, thank you guys for listening. As always, you can stay up to date with all the latest Star Wars animation news by heading to rebelspodcast.com. Uh, you can also follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash rebelspodcast, as well as on Twitter, at rebelspodcast. You can follow me on Twitter. I'm at arkwolf, A-R-K-W-U-L-F. You can follow Matt at the crankster. That is crankster with a K. Uh, of course, we are part of the Thunderquack Podcast Network, and that means you can check out other great podcasts just like this one by heading to thunderquack.com. We just released our second episode of the Disney Dad's Cartoon Afternoon, um, and so you can head over to Cartoon Afternoon to check that out. I, I, I would love it if everybody did. Um, it would mean a lot to me because uh, Curtis and I are quite proud of that show. Um, and if you want to support us, you can do that in two ways. First, by heading to store.thunderquack.com, pick up some merch. I Like I have said previously, uh, eventually all of the Rebels podcast stuff will, re- will be replaced with Rebel Cells merchandise. So if there's anything there that you want with a Rebels podcast logo on it, just so you can be one of the cool kids at the next Star Wars celebration, now is the time store.thunderquack.com go pick up some merch it really helps and we appreciate everybody who does um and you know you get to get some cool merchandise i mean like there's some cool stuff i the other way to support us is by heading to patreon.com slash thunderquack and pledging your support uh it's a monthly pledge uh for as low as a dollar you get access to the exclusive thunderquack podcast the facebook group um, and I, and, and at higher tiers, we've got other great rewards as well. So definitely head over there, patreon.com slash thunderquack and check that out. Um, we appreciate everybody who does support us over there, but that's it for this week. Thank you guys for listening. Uh, and we will be back next week for the episodes escape from Coruscant and free fall. So we will see you guys next yes. week. See you next week.